Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Uh, yes and no, Darlene. Our guest is a wise-ass, but this is not Mike. This is Mike's producer, Bruce Bernstein, doing my best to fill Mike's size 15 Chuck Taylor Canvas Converse All-Stars. My guest this week is the very definition of a wise ass, so he fits in nicely with this crew. He's Steve Bullpet, who's been covering the Boston Celtics and the NBA since the Larry Bird years. Steve, welcome to the Mike Wise Show. Actually, I was thinking about this when you introduced yourself there. If you say your name really fast, it kind of sounds like Bruce Springsteen. So People think, have been you know, calling me that got, for a got, million years. You got that going for you. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it always uh, it always helped me socially. No, it's funny. My One of my best friends and roommates, uh, Tim Kane, who works for the NBA. I don't know if you know Tim. Sure. Tim and I lived together for a while. We've been friends forever. He calls me Springer. That's my nick. That's what he, he didn't call me Bruce. He calls me Springer. And there's a couple people from that vintage that do that, but uh, but but not uh, not that many. Anyway, Steve, we're recording the show on Saturday morning after the first game of the Robert Williams III era Friday night in Milwaukee. Discuss. What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear. Order of the Rings. Uh, this is uh, it, there's nothing stopping them now. There's nothing. It was one game, and uh, they were playing against. Uh, I, I think it was pretty clear from the last two games that Giannis was uh, his knee was not quite up to par. Um, he had two kind of, for him, subpar games. Uh, for a mortal, they'd be just fine games, um, but not for my countrymen. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I you know, I, it was a, the most encouraging thing about the way the Celtics played last night was that they, they ran offensively. They, they play with a pace that they've rarely shown, and there wasn't as much one-on-one which turns into one on two and one on three in a bad shot. So, um, you know, it was an encouraging night for them. Uh, look at the effect that Evan Fournier had just being on the roster, not even being in the same city. <laughs> Evan, Evan Fournier, which the big joke about Evan, and he's the one who actually started it was don't Google Fournier. Do not Google Fournier. So whoever's listening, you're going to Google Fournier now that you've heard this, but you really shouldn't. You'll, you'll be really pissed out at me after you do. Yeah, and don't uh, do it after if it's like they say, don't go in the water after a half an hour after you've eaten. Don't Google that for, I don't know, five days after you've eaten. 
So, Steve, you mentioned uh, Evan Fournier, the for uh, who will actually between the time we record this and when it drops on Monday morning, he will play his first game. So we're kind of talking about him in a bit of a time warp here, uh, but. Do you? Th- I mean, that was really kind of the, the the big move that Danny made at the trade deadline. And you know, there were some minor things. We saw a little bit of Mo. Don't call me Wagner. Wagner on uh, on Friday night, the uh, Michigan alum. Uh, so he wanted to try and do a little bit of a reboot here. And what do you think? I mean, is it going to work? I don't know. Uh, to be honest, um, if the Celtics play offensively the way they played last night, then there'll be opportunities for Fournier if they go back to playing, which they have all season, the, you know, um, the ball sticking, the lack of movement, the lack of passing, that kind of game, then he'll just be another one of the guys in the rotation of, okay, now it's my turn to have the ball and make a play and shoot and shoot the ball. Um, so, um, you know, really their ills weren't necessarily a roster issue. Um, having said that, we should probably back up for a second and point out the fact that from the 2019 team, uh, 2000, yeah, 2019 team, the Celtics have lost Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, and Gordon Hayward. So, you know, um, there has been a talent drain here. Uh, but again, their biggest issue of, of this club and their ability to compete now um has been the the wounds have been uh self-inflicted for a large part i mean defensively they weren't playing with any kind of aggression on any consistent basis so you know um if the mood changes things a little bit if it gives robert williams more time and if he mans up to that time uh and plays with the kind of grit that's necessary it'll be looked at as a positive although you know, then you're going to have summer issues with the trade exception and all those things. So we'll see. And you got to be able to keep Fournier whose contract is up. Now, here's the thing about Fournier that I think could be really, really interesting. I, I believe that the Celtics, their biggest problem has not necessarily been ball movement on offense. I think they're actually pretty good at that, although there are times where they just get into the demented one-on-one, I'm going to just shoot this, you know, where they don't, I mean, Tim Legler was always somebody who said, you've got to work the defense side to side. That's what you do. And you're going to get open shots and you're going to have the defense scrambling or whatever. So for me, having good ball movement prior to this wasn't necessarily the problem, but now that one of the guys out there is a bucket, Evan Fournier, I mean, he's a 39% shooter from three point, pretty good. If you've got a bucket out there now that'll take that shot, I think that really could unlock some other things. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, yeah, I mean, having a, a good shooter helps, another good shooter, excuse me. But I think ball movement and cutting have been entirely their offensive issue. Um, with, that's what Legler, that's how Legler described it. He's absolutely right. You give the, you've got to give the defense an opportunity to make a mistake you know, to, uh, to overhelp to someone. I mean, is, is Utah this great world-beating team? Or are they just a bunch of guys who've bought in and they're going to make the extra pass, the so-called hockey assist? That's what their offense is. And they have good shooters who become great shooters because they're taking squared up 
uh, open three pointers. Um, so, you know, how good a three point shooter are you is not just dependent on your form and your technique and your timing and all that. It's dependent on how your team has played to the point where you get the shot and how open you are. So, you know, you can ball movement can make Evan Fournier a, a 39% shooter. Bad ball movement can make him a 30% three point shooter. So, um, you know, I, and I think there's so many things that go along with, you know, I, basketball is such a, a delightfully social game that if, you know, if the ball's not moving offensively, if, if the touches aren't going around, it's hard to keep someone in rhythm. You know, I mean, you can, uh, Shemi Ojale doesn't see the ball for five possessions. Finally, the shot clock's running down. He gets it thrown to him in the right corner and he's supposed to have, you know, a feel to the game at that point, maybe, but it's hard. It's hard to expect that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So is it automatic that, that when Fournier comes here, that he's going to come off the bench or is there any chance he might end up in the starting lineup? I'm not sure. Uh, I would, I would think bench might be smart because you want Marcus smart with your first team, because I think you're trying to get them to, um, to try to establish a, a bit of a defensive presence sooner in the game. Um, you know, that hasn't been, you know, even with smart, it hasn't always worked out that way, but there's obviously a better opportunity with him there. Um, and having a guy like Fournier on the, uh, coming off the bench gives you an, an extra scoring element there, um, that, that might be really, really beneficial. So. Here's kind of a crazy question, and I don't know if it's even practical that this could be done, but if you're supposedly somebody who thinks out of the box, as Brad Stevens, we've been told, is one of those guys, right? What about something like this? Put Fournier in the starting lineup with Smart, make Kemba the sixth man, and could that work from a chemistry point of view? Would Kemba, being the highest paid guy on the team, accept that role? Uh, is he got, is he the type of personality that would say, you know what, I got my money. I want the team to do well. I'll do that. And then, because one of the things I think that could, I mean, there's really a couple things I think that could have a positive impact on number one, as you saw last night, sometimes he starts quick out of the gate. So if you want to get a guy off the bench that helps you bring somebody in who heats up like really fast. Number two, if he's playing sixth man minutes, maybe he can play back-to-backs because he's not going to have as many minutes on him. I mean, what do, what do you, do you feel that's something they should consider or even would consider? Well, intellectually, it makes a lot of sense. And when Bruce Springsteen is making sense like that. Um, I know, scary. <laughs> no, um, I, I think it, it, it might work in theory offensively. And I think Kemba is a guy that would accept whatever you know, is going to be right for the situation, for the overall thing. I think the only issue I, the issue I would have with it is you're going to have uh, Kemba and um, Peyton Pritchard in, and how's that going to be defensive, defensively? Um, you know, but then again, the pace will be faster. So you'd be playing more of an up and down game. So there'll be less opportunity for them to get, perhaps back down and, uh, and uh, taken advantage of in a half court set. But, you know, 
it's going to be the who starts and, and all of that stuff. I think, you know, Red Arbacks always said it was, he always said it was more important who finishes. And I think that's going to be more interesting. Uh, but again, above all that is how are they going to play? How are they going to play well together? How will they mesh? Um, look, if, if the ball is moving and guys are cutting and being rewarded for those cuts, Sometimes you cut just to clear out space for somebody else. That kind of sacrificial game is really, really important. Yeah. You know, a guy can make a great drive to the hoop, but really it's the guy who sealed off the man that could have helped that, that was the star of the play. So, you know, um, it's really how are they going to play that's going to determine things, I think. You know, what style will they play? So Fournier is like, what, six, 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 seven? Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty big, pretty big guard. But they say he's pretty good playmaker. I, I I admit I've most of the time I've watched him. I've watched him shoot. I haven't really watched his all around game as much as I should. But the word is that he's a playmaker, whatever. So I don't know. It seems like again the whole Kemba coming off the bench thing. Also, there's another element to that, which is now that Williams should really be starting. Can you bring Tristan Thompson in to kind of anchor the big? on the second unit so it's kind of a Kemba Tristan Thompson anchored second team and Tristan can help out when it comes to you know covering some ground defensively right yeah well I, you know I'd actually put you know with with that setup I might actually you know reverse them and have Rob Williams with the second group you know doing rim running and stuff like that look the the, the benefit to uh and I was going to say getting Kemba away from the starters but you're always going to have either Jalen or Jason on the floor with them pretty right. much. That's the, the idea. But uh, Kemba Walker has been over his career, a guy, you know, a saturation scorer, the guy with the ball in his hands and you want him to go make plays. I mean, he was an incredible player in Charlotte because he was needed to be that, but it was never going to work overall for your team because you didn't have enough around him. Um, so, you know, he can play a little bit more of that selfish game, perhaps, and, and you know, get going that way. But he's a guy that, that really, you know, has had no problem giving the ball up offensively. They've had to push him at times to be more assertive, looking for his own shot. Um, and you've got to be able to live with misses here and there. See, like, like last night, uh, or as we're talking Saturday night. morning, Right. Friday night against Milwaukee, you know, the Celtics did shot well from three point range. They missed some shots. They missed, uh, they took a couple of bat ones that, you know, maybe they should, have but the fact that they were taking shots in an up-tempo offense meant that, you know, you're going to get more possessions, you know, that playing faster, playing up-tempo uh, gets you more possessions. And when the ball is moving, the ball finds energy. And it rewards energy. And, you know, I think that's something that all guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown should be embracing. They should be really more than willing to give the ball up and make a cut because there's more of a chance they'll get it back in a position where they can just finish, not have to beat two or three guys and go through that. They can get some easier buckets. And, you know, I don't know if there's a, an advanced analytics stat for, it, for easy buckets for EBs, but um, the Celtics would have to be at the bottom of that list over most of the season. One of the things that 
they didn't seem to do a lot of, but last or Friday night, you saw a little bit of is kind of forcing some of these live ball turnovers, which kind of juices up their ability to play that faster game too. So with some better defense and some active D and, and I think Williams is, I mean, he had like a bunch of steals last night, even that's an overrated stat, but I think when a guy like him gets a steal, it's, it's more of a relevant stat because he's not gambling on passing lanes out. You know, he's getting them, you know, where, you know, where all the bodies are. So, um, defense is everything really. And, and anything that juices up your, your defense usually is going to help your team. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm going to go back to being basketball guy here instead of media guy, but, but to me, yeah, defense is huge. It's got to start with defense because defense is something that uh, is a, is a collective thing that once you have success there, that's where you build trust and chemistry and all those things. And no matter, it, it takes the pressure off your shooting because it's like, oh, Mr. Shot, don't worry, we're going to stop him back there. But uh, what you've seen with the Celtics a lot this year is defense that's improper defense. The most, you know, it's great to have active hands and get into passing lanes and get deflections and things like that and block shots. Really cool stuff. But the most important thing, and I, I, I'm going to do a tweet thread about this, um, you know, but the most intimidating thing defensively is moving your feet and staying in front of somebody. Okay. Staying in front of the guy with the ball. Offense should always have the advantage because the offensive player knows where he's going before the defensive player. So the offensive player should have that advantage. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a guy that's got quick feet, that's moving, that's not trying to be a hero and, and, you know, make a, a splashy steal, but just play solid, stay in front of the guy, then that intimidates the hell out of an, out of an opponent. And um, you see, you've seen it, you saw it more last night. You see it more with a guy like Marcus Smart is better at that. Peyton Pritchard is very good at that. You see the feet moving. Um, and it's just, I think that leads to the kind of, the kind of game that, that is a lot more successful and um, the benefits are, are far greater. Yeah. I think, you know, that, that um, having, I mean, every good team's identity really does have to be defense. I mean, even the great Laker teams of the Larry Bird era and the Magic era, those were – I mean, they might have given up higher numbers of points, but they were really good defensive teams. But that their higher points were because they were playing an up-and-down game. It exactly. Wasn't until the, you know, the Mike Fratello and those defensive errors came into play where, you know, um, that, that things changed. But, you know, look, getting back to the Celtics, if you looked at their games this year – um, they were, you know, that if you're not moving your feet, you're reaching. If you're reaching, you're picking up cheap fouls. You're getting it's 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 false hustle. And you look at uh, how much how badly they were getting out attempted at the line in certain games. But that's you know, and it's like ah uh, no no move your feet put in the hustle. But you know it's uh. <sighs> It's a team that just didn't. I'm not sure if they. Over, I think it really did overrate itself, uh, you know. And it's one thing to have the fan base think that they're better than they are. It's a whole nother thing, and a lot worse when the players think that they're elite and not realizing that yeah, you can be you can be elite 
but you got to do all the little dirty work things. If you don't do that, you're going to stink. That really, you just led me perfectly into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is basically, they seem like a bunch of nice guys, slightly on the soft side. I'm not including Marcus Smart in that because he is the opposite of that. But I see them getting their asses kicked on Wednesday night by Milwaukee. And here's Jason Tatum and Chris Middleton when there's a stoppage in play kind of head. And I'm thinking, you guys aren't mean enough. You guys need to have a little bit more of an edge. And again, you have to have players on your team that that will buy into that. Marcus is the emotional engine on this team. He will hold these guys accountable. Can they all learn what he's trying to teach? Because they need that. Well, uh, it hasn't been it hasn't been assimilated for the last few years. You look, uh, you know, watching uh, Jason Tatum speak after a dispiriting loss um, is enough to you know uh, turn uh, have Celtic Nation reaching for the for the what's what's the proper drug of choice for. Uh, um, improving your mood for you know getting people off depression. How the hell would I know that shit, Steve? Antidepressant. <laughs> My <a> pharmacist? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, advanced pharmaceuticals. Um, no, oh, yeah, it's, I am from it's just, Watching him be just downcast, no. And I, you'd like to see him be pissed off after a loss. You'd like to see him play angry uh, it's hey, it's great that he's cool under pressure with the ball. That's great. Other end of the floor, you know, I want you to be nuts. I, you know, I, I think we might have talked about this on an earlier podcast, uh, but I came into the year with with two questions that I thought were going to determine this year for the Celtics. Um, it probably should have been a lot more than that, but you know, uh, limited attention span. What can I do? Um, number one was, would they get away from hero ball? Because that's what got them eliminated from the playoffs, 18, 19, and 20, you know, games, they, they should have beat Cleveland at home in game seven and 18 of the conference finals. Uh, 2019 was, you know, the Kyrie and, you know, you know, the, the earth wasn't flat, but, but, but the court was round. Something was weird. Uh, and then last year, you know, Miami, they get into hero ball. So that was a big question. Could they get away from that and get more into the ball movement and, and cutting body movement? The second question I had was, um, tell me how much Rob Williams is going to advance. And because here's this guy that showed these ridiculous skills and good instincts as well. But would he play like a lunatic, like you needed him to be defensively, especially? You know, they say, well, guys, they want them to, they want the game to come to them. No, no, Rob Williams, don't let the game come to you. You make the game. You, you force the game to, you know, you force other, other people to play to your game. Uh, and, you know, by being assertive, by being aggressive defensively, by, uh, you know, being physical and being all that consistently. And I think consistency was a big question with Rob, in addition to his injury issues over the years. So, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, led to where we are now. You see, you're seeing him be more consistent. You're seeing him have more of an impact, not just, and not even when he, not just when he touches the ball, uh, he's having an impact. And that's, you know, it, that was one of the 
few encouraging things you'd seen over the course of this season for the Celtics. He's actually much better offensively than, I mean, we're starting to learn a little bit more about his offensive game. He's that clever little passer. He seems to know he's not bad setting screens. He seems to, he seems to find the right spot to be at. And I'll tell you what, I mean, some of the alley-oop dunks that this guy's getting, these one-handed jams off these alley-oop passes, it's like that's some crazy athleticism that we have maybe never seen on the Celtics. I mean, that was what Len Bias was going to be, and we didn't get to see him. We haven't seen that. Those guys don't play here, you know, not like that. And, and I'm almost, like, astonished that it's like, when you look at that guy, if you didn't know what he was listed at in the roster, how tall would you say he is? I, I mean, he's listed at 6'8". That guy doesn't look 6'8 to me. No, he's, he's a bit taller than that. Is he, is he really listed at 6'8"? I'm pretty sure he's listed at 6'8". Yeah, and I can't, I couldn't believe, I've, I've looked at it numerous times because I'm thinking they're going to correct that. They're going to correct that. They're going to correct that. They haven't, I'm, I'm going to check my phone right now while is you're. That the pro, is that the program height for Grant Williams or? I swear to God, Steve, again, it, it, I'm going to pull up their roster on ESPN.com, okay? If you want to do the same, be my guest. But I swear to God, and, and if I'm wrong about this, then I'm going to make a gigantic fucking edit in the show. But, uh, but I, yeah, no, anyway, six, eight. Yeah. So it's like, to, to me, it's like, is he, somebody's tripping here, either that, or he's the craziest athletic six, eight I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I want to, I want to check and see, um, well, they've got you listed at six, nine. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's, that's off by a little. But anyway, so, okay, here's, all right, so what you just said he needs to do, right, with come out, be crazy on defense, whatever, if you set it up where you are starting, Tristan Thompson, you're coming off the bench, if Rob gets three fouls in the first quarter, Tristan can come play the second quarter, and now we're at halftime and we can do a reset in the third quarter. I think that really, again, I think with Tristan and Kemba, if they're willing to do that, and you you say you'd like Rob on that second team rather than, than well, than, but but anyway, if you're if you're talking about a quick roadrunner type second team, yeah, I think Rob fits you know well with that. But but if you need him to come out in the beginning of the game and set the tone, as you say, make it your game, don't let the game come to you. Having Tristan in the on deck circle ready to go seems to me like all right, I'd try it. Maybe it won't work, but I'd give it a try. And who knows? Maybe it will. So, yeah, they need they need to have, you know, they need someone to be really physical. And Rob is great and is athletic. But in terms of physicality, not the strongest dude in the world. He, he's still, you know, growing into his body in a lot of ways. I think he'll be stronger. You know, if you look at where he is now, assuming uh, good health or proper health over the next couple of years, interesting to see what he is in a couple seasons um, and 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 it, and it makes me also one, one of my favorite guys that they had on the team unfortunately he wasn't here for very long was Ennis Cantor always loved Ennis Cantor not necessarily I, I know his limitations he couldn't guard a fucking statue I know that but he has the statue had some good moves so, yeah, don't don't be knocking the statue here don't you know 
Well, he never went for the pump fake from the statue. I I can tell you that. But, I mean, Ennis was a chemistry guy. He'd come off the bench. He'd get eight and eight. And then, you know, his guy would get some points, whatever. But he'd help you on the boards, whatever. If you had Rob Williams and Ennis, I think Ennis versus Tristan, whatever. But that's all in the past. They got to move on. But, you know, you mentioned a bunch of guys that aren't on the team anymore. You know, obviously, Horford and Kyrie and Hayward. Cantor, you know, was a guy. And, you know, some of the guys, you know, the other ones may be less so important. So, okay, so Danny's now admitted he's owned the team. This is my team. He said it on Friday. I'm responsible for it, whatever. Um, The one thing you and I haven't talked about in 27 minutes almost of of chit-chat here is that $28.5 million trade exception. And that's what everybody else seemed to be talking about. But, okay, it's going to be on hold. They're not really going to, like, use that money and get someone like Drummond, are they? I mean, they're going to hold on to that thing, right? No, they, I'm hearing they Drummond. Used, they used a chunk for Evan Fournier. All right, so they used 11 for him, right? Or uh, something? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a half to a third of it. So, so there's still something yeah. else left out there. I mean, is he going to blow that? I mean, what's he going to do with that? Who knows? I mean, What do you, you think know, he should do with it? Tell me who's available. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're supposedly in the running for some guys now, but but they're going to be buyout guys that are going to come in for short money. They're not going to be guys that are going to be slotted into, you know, to, to that big spot. There's no one out there that I think is really yeah. worthy of it. So, so so Drummond, you think they're going to do Drummond? I mean, I, I don't know why he'd come here. Yeah, well, yeah, because I don't know if the minutes are here for him. I don't know if it helps his career, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure how that fits, but I'm not sure how a lot of stuff is going to fit. Like we've talked about the Celtics kind of in a vacuum over the first, however many minutes here, but we, I think it's important to look at them and say, okay, here's what they are or what they can be. We think, but is that going to work against Philadelphia? Okay. Rob Williams, uh, uh, Tristan Thompson, are they going to be able to deal with Joel Embiid? Because Joel Embiid, you know, the, the story this year for Philadelphia isn't I – mean, I, and I like Doc, and I think Doc's a, Doc Rivers is a very good coach. But to me, the story is Joel decided, I'm going to be in shape and I'm going to play. And when you have a colossus like that, that I'm coming to play, you know, ooh, <laughs> the, the, the game board has changed. So are the Celtics equipped to deal with a guy like Joel Embiid and not only what he can create in terms of his own numbers, but what he creates in terms of the attention you have to give him and what it opens up for others. You've got Ben Simmons, a can't, won't shoot three kind of guy. But if you have to pay attention to Tobias Harris and, you know, these other guys out there. Seth Curry. Yeah then all of a sudden is that a lane for, you know, for uh, Ben Simmons to, to drive to, you know, and that's complimentary basketball is huge. I know we've talked in the past about, you know, Larry Bird was a great shooter, no question, but he had a little more space to shoot because you had to be worried about Kevin McHale, you know, similarly, Kevin McHale had a little bit more room to operate because the double team wasn't coming so fast because you couldn't leave Larry. So, you know, nothing exists in a vacuum and the Celtics are going to have to, you know, 
here they are. How are they going to be against these teams? How are they going to be against a Brooklyn? I, I don't think Brooklyn has anybody to match up with Embiid either. I mean, because the thing about Embiid that, that is so tough is that there's a lot of guys that are big, that'll post up, that'll get fouled and they'll go to the free throw line and they can't make free throws. He goes to the free throw line. He shoots like 80% from the free throw line. So you can't foul him. So he can get your whole team in foul trouble, you know, and, and if they just pound the ball inside to him and then they can, you know, I mean, they're, they're look, they're, looking really nice. I mean, I thought last year I had picked them to go to the finals this year. I didn't, I didn't last year. I did this year. I didn't, Uh, but they're much better this year. I I mean, and and Brett Brown was a nice coach too, but he was kind of like the nice guy that the Celtics players are. I mean, I think doc's a little more no nonsense. Yeah. I, I, well, I've got a, I don't know, a pretty strong opinion of Brett. I think he was, he was a guy that they, that, uh, during the process years, they had him be the guy out front instead of the GM that was doing all this. And Brett had to be that guy. He had to be, you know, he was coach. He was also, he also had like the Pat Croce role. He was like selling this, you know, selling the team to, to the fan base and things are going to be okay. And, um, you know, I'm usually a guy that's in that role gets beat up and doesn't last as long as he did, but you know, um, yeah, I, look, I, th- I thought he did a very good job under the circumstances. Uh, but that was a team that when it became, they were good in regular season, uh, the pace of regular season that they played with. Um, but, uh, playoffs, Ben Simmons against Celtics, some difficult decisions he made with the ball, yeah. and, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I kind of got off on a tangent there and I apologize, but that's all right. You know, no, that's all right. So look, I know um, I want to be respectful of your time, but I know one of the ways we end the show, all of our shows really for the last year has been basically trying to tell people, look at, you know, this COVID thing is no joke. You got to take it seriously. Wear the stupid mask. Don't bitch about it. You know, it's better than dying. Protect yourself, protect other people. I'm, I'm wearing and- a mask now. I hope you don't think this is my face. My wife, at my wife, Nancy actually no. has a hilarious mask that she, she, uh, it's like this big thing and it's got like this grin with like horrible teeth. Right. And my wife, Nancy happens to be, you know, very, very good looking woman. And she puts this thing on and it's just like, I've seen it a couple times already, but it still cracks me up. But anyway, I got my first vaccination shot, uh, the very beginning of March. I know you got one, uh, late last week. I just, you know, how you feeling? I mean, are, are the people in Massachusetts getting it? I live in Connecticut. I think here we kind of are. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, they've got, it's quite a, a, a production number. Um, I got mine through my, through the uh, physician's practice that I'm, uh, that I, uh, I'm a patient of, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, it's, the the clockwork is really amazing you know the you go in here there boom 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 and it, it the timing it's uh you know if if they could get the commuter rail to run like that around here whoo, uh people would be very excited they should have the people that are doing this should go and run the the t and the public transportation after this because uh, these are some uh, seriously good logistic people. 
Well, I just, you know, I, I, you know, I know you had one. I know. Can you? Would you feel comfortable saying which one you got? Would, well, was it? Was it? Uh, if you don't that want to, that's okay. I got the Moderna one, and they say the second dose of the Moderna one can be can be a little bit more challenging physically than the first one. So we'll see what happens in a couple of days. Um, but hopefully, you're feeling good after yours, and all is well. Yeah, I mean. Um... They said you might get a little bit foggy, but it's like, that's been my life. So it's like, how am I going to know the difference? Um, you know, look, it's, it's, uh, it's been good to talk about basketball and pretend that, that, you know, um, Rob Williams's defensive rotations are really important issues. Um, but you know, there's obviously bigger stuff going on and I, you know, I can't wait to when things open up and I, I tweeted this out a while back. I, I can't wait to go back to socially distancing from my better judgment. You know, it's like, you know, this has been, uh, been difficult, but you know, um, I just hope that uh, people are, are wise and, you know, Give a give a, a damn about each other and do the right things here. You know what I mean? It's like That's exactly I go out right. my four miles every day, and I'm not really coming into close contact with people. Right. But I've got the neck gator here, and you know, even if I pass you like, you know, thirty feet away, I lift it up. You know, it's a sign of respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's you know, uh, and again with my face, people appreciate the covering. So, was that was it was that your was that your uh, pandemic beard or were you I don't remember you having a beard back I before had a, I had the uh this one here oh the goatee yeah I just like the yeah so yeah exactly like that you know because you know who doesn't want to be like Bruce Bernstein um good point uh, <laughs> but yeah I figured you know uh this will this is how I'll save money during the pandemic I'll uh, just say save on shaving products um yeah. 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 Well. Well. Anyway, uh, I, I'm glad you're feeling good. I I, I have very little patience, and I'm not going to go get political on things here because I'm not asking you to respond. I'm just saying, if you're eligible to get the shot, get the shot. I mean, these anti-vaccine people, I think they're a little bit crazy, and you know, you have to follow the science. Well, the science says, you know. If you didn't get a polio vaccination, you might have got polio, and that didn't look too too promising. So hey, hopefully people do the right thing, and you know, and the social distance. I think we're wearing masks for a long time, by the way, at least under certain circumstances. Because it's funny, I had my physical last week, and I told the doctor, I said, you know, since we've been wearing masks, I said I would always get two colds every year, guaranteed: sore throat, cold, one in the summer, one in the winter, every year forever. The last year. I haven't even had a single cold. I haven't. And he's there. And there's been no flu either for the same reason, because of people wearing masks. So I think in some way, looking ahead to next winter, shall we say, uh, I think I think masks in some form are here to stay. So we might as well, you know, yeah, hopefully, like you know, hopefully not forever. But in some I mean, it, it's been kind of helpful in some ways. In certain circumstances, definitely. I mean, I to support your point. I haven't had a cold and I'm kind of a, at least two a year kind of guy as well, the throat. And you, you try to pop the cold, these lozenges to, you know, I'm a guy that would 
uh, would do a cold ease lodge at, at the start of every flight. Uh, but it's still, but so I'm thinking now, you know, if I, when I get back to flying regularly, um, definitely going to be wearing a mask on the plane. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, why it would be silly not to, uh, I remember we would see, um, uh, people in airports, like Asian people a lot with masks on over yeah. the years. And it's like, these were smart people. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Um, you look at just all the, you know, the, the substances, the, the surfaces out there. Hey, when I, when the, my gym reopened, I go back to, to working out. I've got the, the blue surgical mask on. I've got a neck gaiter over that. I've got disposable gloves on, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm in there like one step below the beekeepers outfit, you know, <laughs> or the hazardous mat, hazardous materials guy. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's, be a little bit bright and uh, can save yourself uh, some difficulty and, you know, kind of take care of each other a little bit better. And that's a great way for us to, uh, to, to end our conversation, Steve, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm so glad. Is there anything else you want to add? Because look, our, our platform is, you know, reaches literally all over the world. um, If people know where to find it, Uh, any final words of wisdom you want to share as we, uh, as we turn the calendar over to April this week? Well, I hope everyone had a good Greek Independence Day on Thursday, my people. Um, no, I mean, it just, you know, let's, uh, I've got a feeling kind of uh, going off what we talked about uh, that, uh, and I hope this is the case, that when, as we get away from the situations we've had to deal with over the last year, that people will appreciate stuff more. You know what I mean? Um you know, one of the, it's been a weird year for a, a lot of people. Um, but the thing that's helped me along is just being grateful, you know, and appreciating stuff, mm. you know, and I think that people will have, you know, I'm sure at some point they'll go back to being pissed off about everything. And, you know, and, and the, the state bird of uh, New York, Massachusetts, and a number of other states will become the, you know, as people drive. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, one I, of these. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but uh, let's, you know, try to hold on to it as long as it is as we can. That'd be that'd be a cool thing. And I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, people just uh, enjoying hanging out with friends, you know, um, at, uh, you know, at a bar by the water, you know. Excellent. Steve Bullpet, the great Celtic scribe for a million years and also a recent vaccination receptor. That's such a thing. Uh, Steve, thank, thanks so much for everything and uh, for joining us on the Mike Wise Show. Bruce, be well. That was dope. <laughs> thanks to my guest, Steve Bullpet, the longtime NBA reporter who's covered the Boston Celtics since Larry Bird was on the team. Thanks also to our editor, the talented Kristen Woolley. Thanks, Kristen. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows, Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay has the best in college basketball every Tuesday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is here every Wednesday. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure drops on Thursday. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday. And of course, my man Mike has a new Mike Wise show every Monday. 
Also, please check out our YouTube channel with dozens of great segments, including Mike's very unplugged conversation with Lakers Governor Jeannie Buss. And Mike also had the very last sit-down interview with the late NBA Commissioner David Stern, did that back in late 2019. That's also on the Pure Hoops Media YouTube channel, along with a bunch of other great stuff. Check it out. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.